Hey listeners, it's Keith from Evertrue. Evertrue is the end-to-end solution for insight, outreach, and analytics for higher ed advancement and stewardship teams around the world. Recently, we launched Evertrue Studios, Advancement's very first media hub, where subscribers have access to over 100 hours of free, on-demand original series and podcasts, all created with fundraisers in mind. Check us out at evertrue.com backslash studios. Hey listeners, I'm Kim Naoni, and this is Mentorship Matters, a podcast that examines the current and future landscape of fundraising leaders and the power of inclusive mentorship in advancement. Today, I want to talk about the subject of building an advancement program that is inclusive and representative. My guest is David Lieb, Interim Vice President for Development and Alumni Relations at Pennsylvania State University. David, welcome. Thank you, Kim. Good to be good to be with you today. Absolutely. A pleasure to have you here today, and I appreciate you taking time to uh, to f- speak with us today. Uh, so I want to jump right into it, the issue of building an investment program that is inclusive. Yeah. We all we all strive to create that environment within our organizations that is representative of the students that we serve to the best of our ability. And so from a leadership perspective, what do you think is it is critical for an advancement program to be inclusive and representative of the communities that we serve? Uh, It's a great question. Uh, Looking at it just, you know, kind of philosophically, Kim, um, in addition to it, just kind of morally feeling like it's the right thing to do. Um, I think strategically for the organization, it's it's an important uh, endeavor. As I think about, you know, representing both the students, but but our alumni, our donors, and, uh, you know, creating an environment where people feel comfortable, feel represented, um, feel like their experiences are maybe more deeply appreciated by the organization, um, both through our our actions and what we say, but also through you know what we do relative to to hiring and the people that we choose uh, to represent us. Um, and I and, and I reflect a little bit, Kim. You know, you, I've been at, at this organization for quite a number of years, and I remember an early assignment that I had. Um, where I was charged working with our uh, Office of Student Affairs as they were endeavoring to to expand and renovate our student union and um, our uh, cultural center. And, you know, you know, so here's this, you know, Caucasian kid going out talking to a lot of our uh, predominantly African-American, but uh, Latino uh, uh, an underrepresented alumni, and and I was able to develop, I think, good relationships with them. Mm-hmm. Um, some were very open with me, uh, who shared that you know their experience at Penn State when they were students wasn't something they were particularly happy about. Um, uh, many of them had kind of turned a corner, uh, but in other cases, while there was a a shall I say, a polite conversation. It wasn't as as deep a relationship that was developed as, you know, maybe fast forwarding when we had better representation among our staff who went back and worked with some of those other donors. And, and you know, now again, there was additional passing of time. Maybe Penn State in their mind was a little different. Right. But as I read 
reports of contacts and was debriefed by staff, the relationships that they were able to build. And I think maybe there was just a common ground or a commonality that was more immediately um, developed. Those relationships, you know, were were accelerated uh, significantly um, by having that kind of representation. So, you know, it, uh, you know, right thing to do, but it's the right thing to do also from a strategic perspective as well. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, I've, I've worked at a number of places where uh, they created uh, alumni affinity programs uh, to to essentially. Uh, meet the alumni based on, on the way they are in terms of their experience and interaction with the institution. And they're recognizing that not everybody has the same experience and, you know, people have a very lived experience and association with an institution. And so uh, speaking to them based on that uh, and ensuring that we're acting on things that we promised uh, that we're going to do, uh, becomes very becomes very critical, you know, and uh, it, it, it also it becomes critical from a uh, recruitment of students perspective, uh, you know, students from underrepresented groups want to see themselves, uh, you know, represented in 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 the in the, uh, in the alumni base, and and uh, and and that I've seen makes a big difference. I mean, when you go to a to a place, uh, you see that alumni of color are engaged. You see that there's a development officer who looks like you that is representing the institution all those things uh be, be, become you know your point of reference you see aha right. you know because i because i recall the first time i i met somebody who was uh of color and uh you know an avp and uh that person became a mentor of mine uh, you know over the years but to me I, I, I that was the first time i didn't you know i was like yeah. oh wow so so this is the kind of position that i can i, I too can aspire to be in you right. know what i mean yeah, yeah. so um <clears throat> what does it take to ensure that uh you know your programs are well positioned to develop initiatives that can assist in uh recruiting and retaining professionals from uh from diverse backgrounds yeah um yeah, I, I think it, it it probably starts, Kim, perhaps obviously, with a commitment at the most senior level of the organization. I mean, there's got to be a, um, a, a buy-in, both figuratively and literally. And I, I would argue the figurative buy-in is probably more important than the, than the literal buy-in. Um, for years, you know, we've had an, an, a number of vice presidents um, here and and we've been fortunate because consistently with those, despite changes in leadership and, and different management styles, et cetera, this has been a priority uh, for those, the, the people that, that sat in those seats. Um, and it was a priority both in, in what they said and their personal commitment to, um, uh, you know, our, you know, continued attention to and, and work in this space. But they also uh, invested in it financially. Budget uh, was was set aside, um, both for staffing, but also for you know additional work we needed to do in recruitment, um, in in advertising for positions, but also in the investment that we had. You know, once we get somebody on board, um, helping to create that welcoming environment um, and and encouraging you know some both formal and informal mentorship. Uh, opportunities, just as you t 
talked about, you know, seeing somebody in that role um, was important for you uh, as far as, you know, career choice and, and decisions to stay in career. So really, I, I think, you know, setting the tone at the most senior level of the organization and then right. making that investment sends a strong message to, to everybody else. Hey, this this is this is important. It isn't just something we talk about. We've got to we've got to kind of do, so to speak. Yeah. Now, uh, you all have uh, a, an amazing internship program they started years ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, really, uh, I think uh, when I when I think about the industry, there are many places that have been as invested in that program in, uh, as you all have. Uh, how does how does that fit, fit, fit in or factor into the overall thinking around, uh, you know, inclusivity? Yeah. Um, well, we're not alone, but I don't know that there are a lot of those internship programs around the country. And, and I will tell you, Kim, it's interesting because the reason we have it um, is because of the topic that you and I are talking about today. This dates back, I'm, I don't have the exact uh, year, but I would say every bit of uh, almost 20 years ago, sitting in, a, uh, you know, not just one, but a couple of years of, of you, know, you know, you professional conferences and you're with peers and and your counterparts at other institutions and we're kind of um bemoaning the fact that we don't have the representation that we would like to see and 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 we know that from the things that you and I talked about earlier where we know we need that kind of representation because it strategically it's important to us um and sitting around and talking you know what can we do how can we how can we get more people who we want to see represented into our industry um, in, engaged and involved. Um, and, you know, there's not one single bullet here that's going to, to solve this, but, but something that we talked about in that session was, is there a way to, to kind of groom the next generation, to, to bring along, to expose people, namely students, to our industry and our profession? And, you know, I came back and, and started having conversations with our leadership and that was the start of or the very the seed of getting that internship program started. Um, we didn't make it exclusively to underrepresented uh, students, but that was a big focus for us. Um, and and the thinking was this will be good for Penn State. We hopefully will identify even you know one or two people that we might be able to bring into entry level positions upon completion. But even if they don't come to Penn State, this is good for our industry. This is good for higher education, this is good for the, the general nonprofit philanthropic sector in, in the United States. Um, and we've had a number of students who have gone through that program, many of whom we've hired here, um, and, and many of whom have gone off to other institutions, some whom we've been able to bring back. Uh, I will say, I mean, full disclosure, full transparency, over time, we I would uh, would say we we kind of veered away from some of that focus. I can remember having a conversation with a person who came in a few years ago, and uh, she said, "You know what? What do we need to do different?" Um, and I said, I, "I I need to maybe remind, not remind, because she didn't know, but to let you know what the genesis of this program was and what right. we were trying to accomplish." Uh, and we had a renewed focus on trying to get more underrepresented students um, through. Um, you know, the networking that we did uh, on campus to try to encourage uh, better representation. And I'm, and I'm pleased to tell you 
that over the last five, six years, just about every class we have, we see um, representation that probably looks more like our student, as far as percentages, uh, looks like our student body relative to uh, people of color, women, um, and other uh, uh, diverse populations that that one would would normally think of. No, that is uh, th that is that is a great thing. You know, I've been talking to people over the years, and I said uh, you should invest in an internship program. You should invest in a pipeline building program yeah. that allows you to be able to grow your own talent because you have all these students that know your university they have lived that experience yep. so they're sold on that part now you can help coach them up to be development officers and yes they may not stay at your institution they may go elsewhere but if every institution was doing that work build that ecosystem and you know people come back people always you know will go somewhere else earn that experience and uh you know and and come back and 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 that is a that is a good thing. And uh, uh, I've, in previous episodes of this podcast, I've had conversations with folks and that brought up your program uh, mm. in, in the work that, that you've done there. Uh, as a matter of fact, I did I did steal your idea of having a, a DEIB director within mm. advancement and, and took it to my previous uh, institution before it wasn't okay to have that role. Yeah. And uh, it was something that I thought would be highly benefit, beneficial for us to be able to to fully engage in that process of uh, you know of of building that pipeline, yep. and and the other thing too is, <clears throat> as I think about Penn State, there are many people around the country in leadership roles that came from Penn State. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. From AVPs, executive directors, right. VPs, right. and right. that's that's a strong legacy to have. When I think about you know, uh, Rod and Rich and all those people that have been there, that they built a system that allowed people to grow, that have gone out in the industry and are doing great things for our for our profession. And, you know, wouldn't it be nice if, you know, you know, an institution like yours gets, you know, gets that reputation as a place that has developed um, incredible talent uh that's uh you know of a diverse background that's out there and yeah. having an impact and I, and I think you're in you know you you know you keep doing what you guys are doing you're headed that direction yeah thank you yeah I mean I think it's good for Penn State but I think it as I said and I know you share this sentiment I think it's good for our industry and I, I think it's good for higher education to be viewed as a, a potential career path for for anyone who who has an interest in 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 helping society, helping higher education, they believe in it and they want to advance it. And I want as many people as possible to see a pathway uh, to a fulfilling career, uh, which is why I think more of our 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 peers need to be uh, embracing this model. Absolutely. A minute ago, I I brought up the 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 uh, DEIB director role yeah. within development and alumni relations. Perhaps you can talk a little bit about uh the why behind uh you know having that particular role yeah. within advancement because many places that's a central function on campus mm -hmm. you don't really have you may have a liaison in different departments but mm -hmm. it's very rare to find that position embedded within advancement working with talent management and and, and that team to ensure that you have the the programming that's appropriate so perhaps you can talk a little bit about that yeah, I mean, 
credit where it's due, our, our uh, most recent uh, vice president, when he came here six or seven years ago, um, who has since left, but but when he arrived at Penn State, he I think very much appreciated the direction we are uh, we were headed. Um, but I think he had the insight that appropriately said, you know, if we want to take this to the next level, we need somebody on staff who's thinking about this every day. Um, and as I said earlier, you know, there's no single silver bullet on the, all of this. It, there's a multitude of things that that need to be done on a on a regular and a cons consistent basis. You know, it, it's one thing to recruit people, but then you've got to create an environment inside the organization um, that feels comfortable for people, that feels welcoming. Um, uh, and so that's in part what that uh, director of DE, I and B does. Um, but that office also helps us to keep this front of mind as we think about the work that we do engaging with donors. And how do we do that? How do we help educate um, our teams around the nuances of building a comfort level if they're not already there, um, helping to raise awareness about the importance of this as we think about not just engagement, but also what we're uh, soliciting for. Um, you know, I probably share a, a similar philosophy. We don't really in development get to decide what our fundraising priorities are, yeah. but we can help influence those and we can help uh, uh, advise our academic counterparts who are setting those uh, fundraising agendas for us around things that will resonate. And we've been fortunate um, in our last campaign, we had a pretty heavy push on um, uh, scholarship support for underrepresented uh, students. And that was, you know, kind of our giving feedback to the academic leadership about, we, we think we think we can get some traction around this. Um, and it's it's that constant, as I said, you know, somebody waking up every day thinking about how do I help this organization that I'm hired by specifically, but the institution ultimately uh, to do better in, in this space um, and, and everything from the people we hire, how do we keep them, and how do we help all of our staff um, to advance a fundraising agenda around uh, you know, the, this uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging? Thank you for that. So in, in the years that this, this has been in place, uh, what are some of the early wins, uh, successes uh, that you're, you're, you've seen, and what are some of the challenges yeah. uh, that have come in this, in this endeavor? Right. Um, I think some of the successes I, I mentioned um, that in our last campaign, that scholarship program that we created, um, that was, uh, again, an institutional commitment of matching dollars that for every underrepresented scholarship, um, the institution matched dollar for dollar um, support for that, uh, which, uh, you know, helped us to get a lot of newer donors involved and and newer both majority but underrepresented donors as well uh, engage, and that was exciting for us because we thought, you know, okay, now now we've got an opportunity if we steward this well to to grow their philanthropy, and more people will see themselves represented um, among our donor base uh, as well. Um, I think we've uh, we've done a better job of diversifying our uh, candidate pool for jobs. Um, and I think we've done a better job of keeping those candidates that we've brought on uh, to the staff 
uh, here at, at Penn State. But I say that, um, and there's the, the other side of that coin is, um, you know, you know well, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for, for people in our industry. Um, and if you have a couple of years experience, pretty soon people are chasing after um, those staff and, and, you know, a challenge is keeping good people here. Um, and I would say that of all of our staff, but if you've, you know, you've got a good person uh, who knows how to do our business, um, whether on the development or alumni relations side of the house, um, and they, they come from an underrepresented population, they become a pretty hot commodity. Um, uh, you know, we, we don't do this, but you almost don't want them to go to conferences because you don't want people <laughs> to know who's out there. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, but we, you know, of course we, we, we encourage it because of the, uh, their own personal professional development, but also, um, to help share, you know, some of the things that, that we're, we're doing back here, but that, that is probably the biggest challenge for us, Kim is, is keeping, um, uh, those, you know, good people here. Um, but it's a, you know, it's a, it, it's a constant challenge, um, and again, almost reinforces what we talked about earlier, why we need somebody full time on the staff that's helping to helping us to stay competitive in this space, because you're never really done with this. If it's not if, it, if you think you oh well, we took care of that. Now let's move and direct our attention elsewhere. You'll pretty quickly fall behind. Yeah, you know, you you uh, you, you you brought up a, a very uh, sort of uh, significant point, the belonging aspect of things. Uh, making sure that somebody comes in and they feel that they're part of a community. Right. And that is absolutely critical for, uh, for many professionals. I know I worked at an institution where we worked hard to recruit uh, underrepresented students, uh, sorry, underrepresented team members, mm -hmm. but we'll bring people in and fail to create that environment that would keep them there. Yeah. And so you would have somebody come in. We used to joke that, you know, we're very good at training people for uh, for other organizations because we'll bring people in two years, three yeah. years the most, yeah. right. and they're gone. Right. And almost everyone to a person, you talk to them, you say, why is it that you're gone? And money was really not the number one thing they were complaining about because we paid decently. Mm -hmm. The issue was, I don't feel that I'm part of this team. I yeah. feel alone. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, one university up north, uh, their outgoing vice president really made it a point that he did not want an organization that was very monolithic culturalized. He wanted to see people from underrepresented groups. And so they went and intentionally recruited folks, but then they also worked with the campus uh, partners, you know, your DEI office, your uh, other units, the community. So that when they're bringing candidates in, if the candidates were open to it, they would show them that you do have a community here beyond just advancement. There is a, uh, you know, this community, that community, depending on somebody's background, and they all of these resources uh, that are helpful. Uh, and that was, uh, I know that's been important to me, uh, even in my previous stop when I came to town. Uh, I wanted to know, is there uh, an, an NAACP chapter here? Is there, what is it uh, that exists here for Black professionals to be, uh, to connect and network? Uh, are there some mentoring opportunities where I can mentor in the community? Because that was important to me. Uh, is there a place where I can go and get a haircut? Simple things like that. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. when we're talking as leadership, 
and I shared that. And some people were surprised. Like, really? That, that was an important thing. I said, oh, absolutely. For me, it's not just I'm coming here to do this job, but it's I want to be part of this community. And that means I need my basic things uh, that that uh, that I uh, that I uh, I utilize on a daily basis. I need to know that those exist here. I need to know that there's a community here because that's important to me. And I also need to know that within advancement, uh, I'm not gonna feel uh, as if uh, I'm the it. I'm gonna feel that even though I'm different uh, from you, from others. But we all are united in the mission of what we're trying to do, and I'm, and and so that was important to me. Yeah, well said. I mean, I you know, I think, I think to your point, you don't want people to feel like they're hired to represent something, um, mm -hmm. but they're hired to be a part of something and and in, integrated into that that uh, that something. So, um, you know, the 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 conscious thinking around okay, there's there's my professional life. But there's also a life I, I want to have outside of, you know, eight to five every day, uh, evenings, weekends. And how will I uh, find a, a place um, where I feel comfortable um, in, uh, you know, in our case, you know, middle of central Pennsylvania, which we th sometimes think is unique. But in a lot of ways, it, it, it's not a lot of these land grant universities are founded and, and plopped down in the middle of, of nowhere. Um, and they're still in some ways in the middle of nowhere. I mean, yeah. People remind me, you know, you don't go through state college. It, it, it's a destination. You have to go yes. through state college. Um, and you don't <laughs> have the trappings of a, of a more urban environment where, you know, outside of work, things just naturally uh, happen. So we as an institution, not just development, but as an institution, this is a priority for us in helping to, to keep this front of mind on how we work with the the, the town side of a, of a town gown relationship to to keep this a welcoming environment excellent well dave as we close out this episode i want to offer you an opportunity to give a shout out to one of your mentors uh perhaps you can uh you know this podcast is about mentoring so we want to yeah. we want to lift up those people that have impacted uh our, our professional career so uh maybe you can uh, tell us who was one of your mentors and uh how have they impacted your career yeah. Um, you know, there, there've been a couple, uh, you know, but probably two vice presidents that I've worked with, uh, over the years, um, Dave Gearhart, who's now the retired chancellor at the university of Arkansas, uh, and Rod Kirsch, who, who you and I both know, um, Rod now, uh, who says he works part-time for, uh, you know, GGNA, the fundraising consulting firm, uh, knowing what his schedule's like, it, it feels like a full-time job, but, you know, two people who, uh, took a genuine interest in in my career, my professional uh, development and growth. Um, who who took the time and and uh, you know kind of invested uh, in this this, this uh, in, in in the case of my relationship with Dr. Gearhart, a young upstart at the time, uh, and Rod, who who really made an investment in in my career as as well. Um, but I really think I think it speaks to what we've talked about throughout this which is people building relationships and, and seeing opportunities and an investment in, in their, uh, you know, their future in this profession uh, made, made a big difference uh, for me. And, and uh, I'm indebted to, to both of those uh, gentlemen for uh, the time they've spent with me and uh, honestly continue to spend with me because they continue to be uh, mentors. 
Yeah, men- mentorship is ongoing. You know, it's never, uh, uh, you know, it, it's never a one-time thing. And I think what's really, uh, you know, inspiring about your story is, I mean, here you are, you're in, uh, in, in a leadership role, you're a vice president, uh, leading a major organization, and you still uh, count on mentors and you yep. mentor others. And 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 that that's something that we try to we try to uh, get across with with the podcast is that you know you're always on a on a mode of learning and growing as a professional regardless of what level you've achieved. There's somebody else who's had a long a lengthier tenure, and uh, oftentimes they become the 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 best sounding board, the advisors, the people that truly have their best interests at heart in ensuring that you know you're successful. So that's uh, so that's that that that's great. Lifelong education, absolutely, about. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. I am Kim Naoni. Thank you, David, for joining us today, yeah, and thank pleasure. you all for tuning in to Manship Matters. See you soon.